Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. I love Midrash. It's a strange introduction to a sermon. What is Midrash? I talk about it a lot, don't I? Who knows what Midrash is? Good. Well, here's a, here's a clear definition from Sepharia. The genre of Jewish literature known as Midrash has been poetically described as the hammer that awakens the slumbering sparks on the anvil of the Bible. Man, that's powerful. It's an amazing uh, um, visual. The Midrashic process utilizes a variety of methods, including expositions, explanations, numeric values, plays on words, legends, parables, to broaden our understanding of the full meaning of the biblical text. The conscientious application of this methodology has made Midrash a vital source of influence on Jewish life and thought throughout the centuries. The hammer of the Midrash elicited new insights into the historic events depicted in Scripture and produced a fuller understanding and awareness of the spiritual, moral, and ethical truths and values stated laconically in the Pentateuch, in the Torah. Who knows what laconically means? It means sparingly. It means few words. It means translated The Midrash shined light on things that might not necessarily have been clearly stated in the Torah. Now stick with me for a second. Literally, drash, to search something out. The Midrash is a searching out of one of those meanings for a spiritual, moral, or ethical truth or value derived from something that takes place in the biblical text. Now, we see Midrash or Midrashic approaches to things in the apostolic writings, especially Paul, even in the Gospels. Now, what's really interesting is that when many people approach Torah study or Messianic Judaism, and they're coming from a Christian background, they're approaching the text from what is known as a sola scriptura. That means, translated in Southernese, if it ain't in the Bible, I ain't listening. Okay, now there's an obvious problem that emerges right away in that Yeshua himself references uh, Mishnah. He represents extra biblical, he has extra biblical references. And there are other references throughout the New Testament or the apostolic writings. We find them in the book of Jude, they're mentioned elsewhere. And it's kind of like people say, They come in and they say, you know what, I really want to understand the Bible from a Jewish perspective. And then they're introduced to a Jewish perspective, including Midrashic interpretations. And the next thing is, I don't really want to understand the Bible from a Jewish perspective. Well, this is part of a Jewish perspective. See, what's the problem with with that is that the attitude that says, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't listening to that. 
blocks the opportunity for what Midrash is supposed to do, and that is to give us a fuller understanding and awareness of the spiritual, moral, and ethical truths and values stated in the Torah translation. You miss out on something that can help you live a better life. Now, why am I giving this as the introduction to this sermon? It's very boring, isn't it? Well, I'm saying it because today you get to make a decision. As I search out a meaning from our Torah portion this week, Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah, as I search out a meaning utilizing a Midrashic story that's actually quite prevalent in a number of Jewish sources, but I'm going to connect it to our master's life, to our master's teaching, and God willing, All of these pieces together are going to provide you a way to live a better, happier, more fulfilled life. Now, that's something worth listening to, right? But here's your choice. Your choice is to say, it ain't in the Bible, I ain't listening, or listen, process, internalize, and decide if there is merit in what I'm saying and if you can grow from it. So here we go. I want to set the stage The stage is Genesis 23. This is where Chaye Sarah begins. It is the life of Sarah. Sarah's lifetime, the span of Sarah's life, came to 127 years. Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, now Hebron, in the land of Canaan, Canaan. And Abraham proceeded to mourn for Sarah and to bewail her. It's an interesting title, The Life of Sarah, and it actually begins with her death, but that's another sermon. But prior to 23, something happened. Genesis 22 happened. That comes right before 23. For future reference, what happened in Genesis 22? The Akedah, the binding of Isaac, sometimes stated as the sacrifice of Isaac, but we can obviously understand the problem in that, that he wasn't actually sacrificed. The binding of Isaac. Abraham took his son, his only son, up the mountain by the, by the call of God to do that. Now, was Sarah with him? No, she wasn't. Where was Sarah? Sarah was waiting. She was somewhere else. She was not going up the mountain. She didn't know what was going on. But something happened, the Midrash tells us, while Sarah was waiting. And here's what it says. You ready for the Midrash? When Abraham came from Mount Moriah, Samael, Satan, was furious that he had failed to realize his lust to abort Abraham's sacrifice. What did he do? He went off and told Sarah, Ah, Sarah, have you not heard what's been happening in the world? She replied, No. He said, Your old husband has taken the boy Isaac and sacrificed him as a burnt offering while the boy cried and wailed in his helplessness. Literally, it says, For he could not be saved. Immediately, she, Sarah, began to cry and wail. She cried three sobs corresponding to the three tekiah notes of the shofar, and she wailed. Then she gave up the ghost and died. Abraham came and found her dead, as it is said, and Abraham came 
to mourn for Sarah and to bewail her. That's one from Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer. There's another one from Midrash Tanhuma. Just as Abraham stretched out his hand to take the knife, a heavenly voice came forth and said to him, do not stretch out your hand against the boy. If it were not for that, he would have already been slaughtered. At that time, Satan went to Sarah and met her in the guise of Isaac. When she saw him, she said, my son, What has your father done to you? He answered, My father took me and led me up the hill and down dale till he took me up to the top of one mountain, built an altar and laid it out and arranged the wood and bound me on top of the altar and took the knife to slaughter me. If it had not been that God told him, don't stretch out your hand against the boy, I should have already been slaughtered. Satan did not manage to finish the story when Sarah died. Literally, her soul flew away. Here's your decision point, folks. Either, well, that's ridiculous. That didn't happen. Or, hmm, what could we possibly learn from that? Stick with me. I'll share share something Yeshua would certainly want us to know and to observe a spiritual truth drawn from the Midrash. So here's the scene. Let's Let's think of what was supposed to happen, okay? This was the final test for Abraham. This was 10. This was the biggie. This was Akedah. This is the promised son. Sacrifice him. But how could it be, God? But Abraham passes with flying colors and receives the ultimate confirmation of promise in Genesis 22, 17, and 18. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time, and it goes on, and God says through the angel, I will bestow my blessing upon you. And make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven and the sands on the seashore. And your descendants shall seize the gates of their foes. All the nations of the earth shall bless themselves by your descendants. Because you have obeyed my command. In other words, Abraham, you have succeeded. And Abraham could go down and journey triumphantly home. And what would he have said? His beloved would have been there and he would have walked in and said, Sarah, you will not believe what happened. The promise, Sarah, it is confirmed. It was an amazing thing. It was very scary, but yet, and I'm sure Sarah would have been mad at him when she heard the whole deal, but she would have forgiven him because the promise was incredible. It was amazing, Sarah, to share this moment with her. But by the Midrash's telling, someone got there first. Who got there first? The one who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The one who seeks to blind us to miracles. A thief. He stole the moment, destroyed the impact, and by his words, by his lies, he caused death. He destroyed life with lies. And the words of Yeshua say it best about him. Who got there first? The one who, as John 8, 44 says, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. 
The one who got there first, according to the Midrash, is the one who's still working in the world today by the very same strategies and tactics. And sadly, my friends, he is still having an impact. He is the one who knows our nature in part, at least the evil one. He is the one who is still cunning, maybe even more so. He's been at this a long time. He is the very real enemy and not the guy, not the red guy with horns and a pitchfork. He is the enemy who works from the inside, who gets inside your head and speaks, who knows the tendencies we have toward the negative, toward the other shoe is going to drop, toward assuming the worst, toward our struggles with faith. The one who has been talking since the beginning to steal the blessings that Hashem has for us and replace them with lies that will kill us. And this message is entitled, I Hear Voices. He is the one with a very real voice in this world, the voice of your enemy, the adversary. And what is it? What is his voice saying? What is he whispering? To sin, have fun, lie, cheat, steal, have an affair, live a reckless life? No, that's, that's way too easy. We can, we can resist that pretty easily, can't we? Those are easier. That's, 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 that's just easy. He's much more effective by being much more subtle. What is he whispering? What he loves to whisper and what he loves to say goes all the way back to the beginning, as Yeshua said in John 8. In the garden in Genesis 3, Af ki amar Elohim. Did perhaps God say? Other translations read, is it true that God said? And we know it as, did God really say? This is the voice of your enemy. And he's still using it on you. Just as the Midrash shows so powerfully that we are vulnerable. And we must, we must choose the voice we will hear. There are usually two voices to hear, but always two when something vital is at stake. Here's how it works. God speaks, maybe not audibly, but he makes a promise. He gives a directive. He issues a challenge, a call to you. He leads you in a direction and you believe it. And you set out, and then the father of lies sets to work. And we can. It's, it, we, we can go back to Genesis 3, to, to Adam and Eve, and the example is almost too easy, but it works. They heard the voices, did they not? The voice of our father. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fertile and increase, fill the earth and master it. 
and in chapter 2, but as for the tree of knowledge of good and bad, you must not eat it, for as soon as you eat of it, you shall die. And the other voice came and whispered, Did God really say? Did God perhaps say? Is it true that God said? Now the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild beasts that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say? You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? Translation, Eve. You believed that? Surely you're smarter than that. Surely, surely you're not going to be told what you can and can't do. Surely you know better. Surely, Eve, you can do better. The whisper. In our midrash, at least, Sarah heard the voices. Abraham and Sarah had received the promises of a land, a people, a nation, several times by now. And certainly, Sarah had heard them, even if not communicated directly to her, through Adam. But she did receive a tangible promise in Isaac. The promise of God, what he said would be, was. She received the fulfillment of the promise. His word was true, tangible, living and yet the liar arrives to say, Elohim? Did God really say, or in other words, Sarah, you believed that? You believed what he said? From the beginning, Sarah, you knew this was a lie. You knew this was at least too good to be true. That's why you laughed, isn't it, Sarah? You thought God was going to fulfill this this." this fairy tale that you, an old woman married to an old man, would have a child of promise, Sarah, sweetheart, it's over. You failed. He's a liar. And we can see, friends, how, how this woman's heart would break and how she could give up the ghost because he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth. When he lies, he speaks what comes naturally, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He kills with his lies, literally and spiritually. And interestingly enough, Peter heard the voices, didn't he? Matthew 16, 21, from that time, Yeshua began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and, and be killed and be raised up on the third day. But Peter, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Do you see it? The whisper from the liar in Peter's ear. Afki Amar Elohim Kifate. God really say? The man you love, this man who you've devoted your life to, who's going to restore the kingdom, you, he's going to be murdered? You believe that? What kind of plan is this, Peter? What kind of God is that, Peter, who would allow that? To Peter, 
You're smarter than this. You can fix this. Don't believe that. And here is what I think Yeshua would have us take from this. From the Midrash with Sarah. From his John 8 statement. From this story with Peter. But he turned, it says, he turned and quite famously said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. You see, Yeshua heard voices too, very, very clearly. The voice and the promise of the Father, and the voice and the lies of the enemy. And here he demonstrates for us the proper and necessary action that we must learn to take when confronted with these whispers. Did God really say, get behind me, Satan. Get the hell behind me, Satan. You must, friends, recognize the voices you hear. And that sounds so weird. I know I hear voices but I'm talking about hearing the confirmation of the voice of your father, the Ruach HaKodesh. It was given to help us to do that very thing, to discern, to respond. Now listen to me. There is a plan. There's a purpose in everything. God is with us. But two weeks ago, we, we, we discussed in, in navigating tests, testing and navigating Nisayon. Sometimes it's hard to see it. When things are tough and when doubt is entering and life is really, really, really hard and nothing is working. In those times when it seems God's voice may be quiet, the enemy is raising his. We must make conscious, consistent choices every day to choose what we listen to. I'm not talking about listening to Led Zeppelin and secular music or any other stupid thing like that. I'm talking about things that affect your life every single day. The real tendencies we have to hear and believe the wrong voice. Now listen to me. I struggle with this. I struggle so badly with this. My family, as an example, my wife, her father died of cancer. There's a family history of that. It's uncertain. I hear whispers. My son is, is in, in the police academy. He's going into law enforcement. It's dangerous in this day and age. Everyone hates police, it seems. I hear whispers. My other, my daughter, you know, she has epilepsy. She has serious health challenges that are causing effects in her life and our life now and the future. It's scary. It's uncertain. I hear voices. I hear whispers. My baby, my, my youngest daughter, she's growing up. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's engaging with life and and it's a wicked, wicked world that wants to take them from us. I hear the whispers. My dad, my dad is a cancer survivor, stage four. 
hear whispers. Damien, surely you're smarter than that, right? You really believe that God could heal? That God could protect? You realize, look around. There are whispers, friends. What are yours? What do you hear when your plans aren't working out, your finances, your relationships, your future? Maybe it's, maybe it's assuming the worst about a, a text message or an email that you got, some, some vague thing that you interpret to mean something and, and it causes all this strife in your life and you get mad at this person. and you, I mean, you don't even know. But yet the voice whispers and says, you know what they really meant? You know what they meant? Elohim, did God really say? He, the enemy, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there isn't any truth in him when he lies. He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And when we hear the voice, when we listen, we may not die like Sarah. You know what? We die worse. We die slowly in misery, without faith, without enjoyment for life, for today, to live and enjoy blessing now, and to live and enjoy the future promises God has for us. No one, I realize, is promised tomorrow. Abraham and Sarah never actually saw the fulfillment of the promise, but God is with us today. Get behind me. Satan, Father, show us how to hear your voice, to trust in you and your love for us. Now listen, listen carefully, listen closely, hear my voice. You can't just hear this and walk out of here and say, hmm, wow, that was great. You have to put this into practice. You have to internalize this. You have to, it's not about hearing the voices. You're going to hear those voices. There is absolutely no doubt about it. He prowls around and there are battles that are waged in the spiritual for your very, for your very soul. You're going to hear the voices. It's not about hearing. It's about what you choose to listen to. There's a difference between hearing and listening and acting appropriately in response. Choose consciously the voice that you listen to. Now here's the good part and the end. I, I don't believe the Midrash about Sarah and her response and Satan. I don't believe that it's literal. I believe it's just what Midrash often is supposed to be an opportunity for us to learn from the immeasurable depths of God's word. And I thank the great thinkers of Judaism for opening these pathways. The death of Sarah is in this Parsha. So is the death of Abraham. And it's way outside the scope of this message, but, but the way that Torah describes Sarah's years and repeating them in 23.1, it, it's, it's derived from many of the sages that, that it states this specifically because every day of Sarah's life was a good day. Now, how in the world could that be, we ask? She had great challenges. Abraham is described in death as old and contented. 
This was the span of Abraham's life, 175 years, and Abraham breathed his last, dying at a good, ripe age, old and contented, and he was gathered to his kin. How? Abraham had these 10 tests. He nearly had to kill his son. Every day is good. He died old and contented. How? How can this be? They listened to the right voice. I'm long overdue to borrow from from Jonathan Sachs, and I stumbled upon this in the final stage of preparing for my teaching today. Speaking of Abraham and Sarah, he says, the entire course of their lives came as a response to a call, a divine voice. They listened. They heard, and they listened. That voice told them to leave their home and family, set out for an unknown destination, go to live in a land where they would be strangers, abandon every conventional form of security, and have the faith to believe that by living the standards of righteousness and justice, they would be taking the first step to establishing a nation, a land of faith, and a way of life that would be a blessing to all humankind. And all the way, I'm certain they heard, did God really say? Abraham, do you know what you're doing? Sarah, you don't really believe that. Abraham knew that everything that happened to him, even the bad things, were part of the journey on which God had sent him and Sarah. And he had the faith to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fearing no evil, knowing that God was with him. And I guarantee you, people, Sarah was the same, if not more discerning. Women have a way of doing that. If Hasatan appeared to Sarah, I believe she was quite prepared for his approach and chose wisely in which voice to hear and to listen to. This is how it works, and we sang it this morning. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears. He delivers them from all their fears. That's Psalm 34. Listen to that. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. Friends, learn to do that. It will quite literally save your life. It will save your life. Because what is so awesome in all this talk of hearing voices is to know God, the almighty God of the universe, El Gibor, the mighty God, hears your voice when you call, and he knows your voice. And Psalm 34, 4 tells us, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. Not only did he hear, not only did he listen, he answers us and delivers us from all our fears. Did God really say, yes, he did, and he does, and he answers me, Father, today, give us all ears to hear your voice, and may your Holy Spirit help us to listen, and may we respond appropriately when confronted by the father of lies. Get behind me, Satan. Father, may all of us hear, listen, and obey. And be blessed in the today and the tomorrow. 
and the everlasting promises. B'Shem Yeshua. Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makingmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.